0: During World War II, there was a Swiss cryptography company called Crypto AG, and they got their big break with a contract to build code-making machines for the states during the war. They make a bunch of money, and they become the go-to maker of encryption devices for decades. Gears, circuits, eventually silicon, there's new tech coming and going, Crypto AG, they ride it all out. Throughout the 21st century, they sell to over 120 different countries. They sell to nuclear rivals. They sell to military juntas. When the Vatican needed encryption, they bought it from Crypto AG. But what none of their customers knew was who really owned Crypto AG. For the last 50 years of its existence, Crypto AG was owned by a highly classified partnership with West German intelligence and the CIA. And the devices they made that whole time were, for decades, rigged, so the U.S. could easily break the codes that countries used to send encrypted messages to each other. A CAA report described the crypto AG situation as, quote, the intelligence coup of the century. Foreign governments were paying good money to the U.S. and West Germany for the privilege of having their most secret communications read by at least two and as many as five or six foreign countries. They designed the tech, they put the back doors in, and they sold it. And then spies listened. Decades went by until Crypto AG eventually got squeezed out by the spread of online encryption tech. They didn't manage to make that most recent jump. But for decades, they heard everything based on this very simple idea. Rather than trying to break the encryption, why not be the one to sell it? So that's Crypto Crypto AG. Fifty years later, just this last couple years, some folks started asking the same questions that those crypto AG folks did back in the 70s. Same question, but about new tech. And while their target was criminal rather than foreign powers, the idea was the exact same. Rather than break the encryption tool, why not become the one to sell it? The question then is, what device do people rely on to encrypt their messages in 2022? So we're going to talk about the very wild story of the Anom phone here on Hacked. It sounds like a crypto company, doesn't it?
1: Well, we literally just spent the hour before starting to record this episode talking about FTX and the goings on of the crypto world. Yay, crypto. So I just love the fact that we're transitioning hot from a crypto conversation about crypto to a crypto conversation about cryptography. Because I actually much prefer cryptography. It sounds like
0: it should be a crypto company that's either running TV ads or in the news for having...
1: Uh, fled with a, a a whole bunch of money <laughs> or just you know been been completely outed as the Ponzi scheme it was one of those things
0: in reality it is a uh, the weirdest phone startup I have ever heard about super interesting story also I think kind of our our second part it's making this month into the month of Hollywood hacked where last episode was all about a show that was being adapted for film. And then I think in the last couple days, a book being written about this by one of my main kind of sources in my note-taking got adapted or got licensed by Netflix to be another show, I think this time by the makers of Ozark. So this is our second thing in a row that's going to get the Hollywood treatment over the co- next couple of years. Hell yeah. Today's podcast is brought to you by NordLair. NordLayer safeguards your company's network, but it's also a lot more than just a VPN for business. As you already know from this podcast, business networks today are more vulnerable than ever due to, where do we start? Remote work, ransomware attacks, and data leak incidents. NordLayer secures and protects both remote workforces as well as business data, and it can even help you ensure security compliance. Simply go to nordlayer.com slash hacked and get an entire month free. NordLayer is easy to start. It takes less than 10 minutes to onboard your entire business onto a secure network. NordLayer is easy to combine as it's hardware free and it's compatible with all major operating systems. And finally, NordLayer is easy to scale as you can choose a plan unique to your business requirements and your rate of growth. If you want to secure your business network, go to nordlayer.com slash hacked to get your first month free. That's nordlayer.com slash hacked. I would now like to invite uh, Calvin Shivers, representing the United States of America, Assistant Director, Criminal Investigative Division of the U.S. Federal Bureau of Investigation. Mr. Shivers,
1: the floor is yours. Over the last 18 months, the FBI provided criminal organizations, over 300, as mentioned by my colleague, in over 100 countries, encrypted devices that allowed us to monitor their communications.
0: Scott let's say you're a criminal shopping for a smartphone. You're not a cyber criminal. You are a analog criminal who needs phone a phone to do your crimes, essentially. Sure. But these are these are serious crimes, right? Like you could reasonably have a, you know, a warrant out or a, a tap against your phone. There might be a, an international warrant for your arrest, but you're not necessarily technically sophisticated. I want like the ultimate criminal burner is what you're saying. Exactly. So what kind of smartphone do you buy? What are you shopping for?
1: Well, I would love something that probably doesn't have internal microphones. So it's something that I'd have to plug mm-hmm. in like a headset to use. I'd probably love something that didn't have cameras on it. Sure. Something that probably doesn't have a GPS chip in it yep. would be better. And good. good. Yeah. Uh, What else would I want? I want something that like, there's probably no way you could find a phone that could do this, but something with like a physical destroy button on it. Like when I flip a little slider on Mm -hmm. the back and push a button, the inside of it essentially just melts. That would be ideal. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Something with flippable SIM cards for sure. Not an eSIM because you probably want to be rolling SIMs. I don't know. I feel like that would be the beginning of my shopping list. That's pretty that's honestly pretty comprehensive like that's a lot of a
0: lot of those features (laughs) you just said and even ones that you weren't sure if they would be available that's a pretty good summary of what this marketplace in 20 say 20 looked like okay to get into the anom phone, let's start by taking a little tour through some of the the real world answers to that question, because the competition of this this device, this sort of honeypot, gives a pretty good sense of what this phone had to do and who it was doing it for. First big example is an EncroChat chat phone. Encom is created by a European communications network and service provider of the same name started out as a privacy focused phone that very quickly found its audience in the, the you know the, the criminal community in terms of its unique hardware qualities you just named most of them <laughs> the- it had a panic button it actually had a it, panic button it had a panic button it deleted the contents of the phone wow. button you push it and it, it wipes the whole thing and a lot of the features are just about wiping this thing as fast as humanly possible. It also had, as you said, all of its sensors removed. No camera, no mic. I believe no GPS. If you want to talk in it, you have to plug in a headphone with a microphone.
1: I I just want to interrupt and say that I had never looked at this device before I said that list of things. So if it's pretty accurate, then maybe I am a criminal. I think you have a go bag
0: and you were like, oh, I don't know, off the top of my head. And you were staring (laughs) at one of these devices. (laughs) (laughs) In terms of the software, and it's the same basic set of goals, right? It came with a pin that isn't the real pin. It's for if you need to provide the cops with a pin and they enter that pin, it would wipe the device, a fake pin for deleting all the contents off it. Brilliant. Came with a kill pill feature, which allowed you to send, say, say you didn't have the phone and you couldn't provide a fake pin, you could send this kill pill to it that would remotely wipe it. You can send encrypted messages, make encrypted calls, and write encrypted notes, all using the EncroChat's proprietary apps, EncroTalk, EncroNotes, EncroChat. And all of the data for all of that, the kill pill, all of their different sort of pre-baked in apps, all of it flowed through their central servers located in France. And if that is sticking out as a potential vulnerability, having all of that stuff go through servers operated by some company you've never heard of. You have correctly identified the problem with
1: EncroChat. <laughs> nice. I just, I really had never looked at one of these phones, so it's really funny that I like nailed that list. I'm a little shocked, but
0: it kind of makes sense, right? There's only so many things that you need yeah. a, a crime phone to do, and most of it's privacy based. So how extreme can you get with privacy on the hardware? Exactly. All the remote stuff, I kind of just assume would be there no matter what. It was originally marketed to celebrities, but by 2017, it was regarded by law enforcement as kind of the go-to for criminals. And it's a pretty good option. But those French servers where all the messages went through. In 2019, a joint operation between the UK, French, and Dutch police got a warrant. They broke into those servers and they put a piece of malware on them, which interrupted the panic wipe feature, gave them access to the messages that were being sent between users, recorded the real pins on the lock screens being used. It's unclear to me whether the content was actually unencrypted or it was encrypted, but they broke it once they got in. But regardless, by April 2020, European agencies had access to millions of texts, Hundreds and thousands of images being sent between these devices it led them to make hundreds of arrests and they seized millions of pounds of drugs, cash, and weapons.
1: If you've been a longtime fan of the show, you'll remember my first problem with passwords episode where I kind of go on about password managers being like the keychain. And if you ever lose access to the keychain, you like lose everything. And I feel like that's the same thing they did here is like they gave these phones out. Mm hmm got people to trust them and then they took them over and they got access to everything. It's like, yeah, all of the things and the features and the safety features yeah. you think you have, you don't have, but you trust that you have them and we're going to like exploit that trust. All the security features
0: we've sold to you are only as secure as our operation is. And most operations aren't that secure in the face of a warrant is kind of what this keeps going back to. Huh. Anchor shack goes down. But another one pops up phantom secure a firm that sold privacy focused blackberry phones which ended up catering again primarily to the criminal market their big famous customer was el chapo and if it's good enough for him you know what are you doing that he isn't so for a while phantom secure was the big one until its ceo was arrested and interestingly was offered significantly less time following his arrest if he installed a back door but according to multiple sources refused because the only thing scarier than the FBI is the Sinaloa cartel. So you probably don't want to use Phantom Secure. Anchor chat comes up, goes down. Phantom Secure goes up, comes down. As long as there are people technical enough to use a phone in you know, criminal endeavors, but not technical enough to, say, to stay secure, there's gonna be a market for this kind of thing. And law enforcement just ends up playing whack-a-mole the whole time. Typically, there's some kind of a distributor in the middle of all this, someone who knows these devices, has a good lay of the land, but also knows the criminals and can buy and set up the device for them, acting as kind of a middleman, right? Uh And the story of the phone starts with one of those middlemen. In 2018, the FBI gets a new informant. We don't know exactly who this person is, but he sold these types of phones. He had buyers. He kept them up to date on the hottest new device. That was his niche. And the San Diego FBI branch had been working with this informant who was facing charges and had offered to cooperate with the FBI in exchange for a lighter sentence. And I'm really, really curious what the pitch he gave is for this next part, because this informant comes up with an idea. Prior to his arrest, the middleman had been developing his own product to distribute. This sales middleman was getting into the manufacturing and supply side. And the idea he brought the FBI is what if, just like Crypto AG did 80 years ago after World War II, instead of law enforcement waiting for another one of these things to pop up and having to inject malware on the server or try and get the CEO to install a backdoor, what if you skipped all that and law enforcement made and distributed the phone itself? What if law enforcement ran his company he wanted to start and produced the devices and sold them to criminals all around the world, all with the back door pre-installed? This whole like theater of security. That is the idea behind the Anom Phone.
1: It's, it seems like you would be... You'd be making friends with a very powerful group and then making dire enemies with very a, a multitude of very bad people. Yeah. Like,
0: internationally, <laughs> hundreds of them around the world, you are... It's like, hey... You, you know, have
1: the worst enemies you could have. <laughs> I, got, I got a few buddies at the FBI now, but I also have, like, 80,000 mortal enemies in every criminal syndicate around the world. Mm-hmm. You know... I don't know if there's enough money in that transaction for you to to be safe for the rest of your life. Yeah, that's a that's a scary proposition. Is there enough jail time it could get
0: you out of that you would take that deal? Is another interesting question. Totally,
1: I, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> just gonna
0: go to jail. I'm safe. I've I haven't I haven't done anything to these criminals that I'm hanging out with here in prison. I'll I'll just uh, yeah. I don't know. It's an interesting question. Let's talk about the Anom phone itself. Uh, Joseph Cox, a journalist who we weren't able to get a hold of for this, and has done a lot of the essential reporting on this story. He's got that book coming out, very excited to read it. He got his hands on one of these devices. The one he got was a normal Pixel 4a. You turn it on normally, and it's got all the standard apps, Instagram, Facebook, Netflix, but none of them actually work. You click into them, they don't actually open. But if you reset the phone and you enter a different pen, it opens this whole other partition space within the phone, running something called Arcane OS, which is how folks who bought these years later on Craigslist by accident realized what they had bought. It's got new apps, new wallpaper, clock, calculator settings, pretty much that's it. Go into the calculator app, however, you can get access through it to a login screen that says enter Anom ID, which is where once you enter your Anom ID set up for you by the middleman, you find the concealed messaging app called Anom. It's kind of the beating heart of this whole thing. It's what you'd use to communicate with other Anom users. And this app that you have to go through all of that theater to get to is the place where the CIA had access to. I like that theater. It's fun, right?
1: Yeah. You got to
0: punch a code into the calculator to open the login, to type in your password, to let the CIA see what you're sending.
1: (laughs) You got to notify them, you got to notify them by going through this process of steps. You got to really let them know. And they're like, oh, okay, this person's a criminal, like, like, turn on monitoring on this device. Completely. We don't want to waste space in our monitoring matrix. We only got so much server space. Exactly. Exactly.
0: It's got the same pin wipe functionality as the EncroChat phone. It's got a lot of the same features as most of these other devices. If you've bought a phone like this before, it's a little different, but it's the same basic idea. And it brought up this interesting question when I was reading about this, which is, if you buy a privacy phone like this from a company that there is intentionally very little written about, just on a technical level, is there any way to test if it's actually private and secure? Does it always come down
1: to trust? Yeah, probably. Probably. Unless you yeah. hacked the communications process and got access to the servers and could look at right. everything, there'd be very little way to tell. Because like, how do you even, even if there was like key base encryption, like how would you even trust that the keys are, I don't know, It'd be it'd be very technically challenging. Which means you're not just trusting,
0: <laughs> you're not just trusting this company you've never heard of. You're also trusting whatever dude showed up at your doorstep with a trench coat full of weird smartphones and has told you that, oh, yeah, the Anom phone is super legitimate and locked down and encrypted or the Encro chat phone is super legitimate and locked down. You have to trust that guy and you have to trust the company you've never heard of. There's a lot of trust involved in using a device that seems like it would only be used by people who have very little reason to trust anybody.
2: Yeah,
1: very, very. it's, I don't know, I guess the motto of the internet these days, trust everybody. Nobody's trustworthy.
0: So what's involved in starting and operating a fake crime phone company? First, the FBI had to get a network of people who were selling EncroChat and phantom secure type devices to start selling their Anom phone. At first, it was a small kind of launch, 50 devices distributed in Australia for beta testing in 2018 and they just did it through you know word of mouth a couple undercover agents pushing it out to folks but it was small small launch most of the distributors were not informants they did not know who was behind the device they were pushing so they start getting it out there which is when the nitty-gritty of actually running a phone company becomes reality their phones so over time people want upgrades new devices smaller phone bigger screen whatever so now they're, they're iterating, come up with new versions. They have to provide software updates as people find bugs. They have to handle customer service. But they kind of pull this off and keep moving units. But because of who their clientele is and in turn who their competition is, these weird edge cases start to emerge. So your competition's also catering to criminals, which means that the risk of, I don't know if you call it hackers or corporate espionage in this context, but that goes through the roof. They're just trying to fend off attacks now while they're running this so they don't get figured out by their competition as being the feds. You also have to avoid the thing becoming too popular. It really can't get into the hands of anyone that isn't a criminal you've individually targeted because then you have the public having their messages routed through government-operated servers, which has pretty intense legal implications.
1: So I'm just trying to see if there's actually like some messaging app out there that's actually like you could build a messaging app where if you wanted to talk to me, I send you my public key, all messages to me get encrypted and you'd need my private key to unencrypt them and vice versa. How do you know that any quote unquote secure messaging apps are actually secure? Right. Like are any of them Mm -hmm. open source? Can I like see the code? And anyway, now I'm just curious. I don't know enough about these
0: apps, but I would be looking at Signal because I know that there's enough people using it that it's probably been dug into pretty
1: hard. And it's open source. I'm looking at the source code for it right now. There you go. Let's talk about how they talked over this device. Motherboard
0: talked with a guy in Australia who said that Anon was able to make big inroads in the criminal community there. And I guess that the common way it was used was in tandem with a couple different encrypted phones. The big one in Australia was called Cypher, but the idea was sort of the same everywhere. Folks would use one phone for discussing the logistics of an operation and another phone for talking about the money side of things. They would split communications between multiple different devices and chat services. A lot of these encrypted phones only let users communicate to each other solely on their network. Anom users were talking to other Anom users through the Anom app, Cypher users were talking to other Cypher users through the Cypher app, meaning that if you wanted to talk to people on that network, you needed to have a phone that worked on that network. So you'd end up with like a bag of these different things. And over time, Anom made its way into thousands of people's bags of burner phones, and they used it, as we will discuss, to share millions and millions of messages over the window of time when this was all going down. Hmm. Anom distribution starts out slow. In October of 2019, there was only a a couple hundred of users of these things around the world. They run this company and over the years, it starts to grow. By May, 2021, there were 11,800 devices with Anom installed around the world. Swedish police had access to 1,600 conversations. Europol stated that 27 million messages were collected from Anom devices around 100 countries. But 2021, there was a very large volume of data flowing through this network that law enforcement had built. And the question then is when, if ever, do
1: you put a bow on this thing and start arresting people? Sure. The second you pull the pin once, That's going to travel so fast. It's not like the exact, it's not like people aren't communicating like they were 50 years ago, 60, 70 years ago. Mm -hmm. I'm not sending a letter to somebody to be like, yo, don't trust this service. Yeah. It's like instantly everybody will know that they're burnt and throw them away. Mm -hmm. The second it's like, at what point you're sitting there watching active crimes happen. And at (laughs) what point do you say that crime is so big that it's sure more valuable to shut that crime down than to turn off this entire network we've built of Intel. Mm -hmm. That's got to be tough, Mm -hmm. especially because it probably wasn't cheap either. Like you'd be hundreds of millions of dollars in at this point, probably. Yeah. The thing that makes it different from
0: crypto AG is that let's imagine some country figures out that their communications on this device were unencrypted and they become suspicious. Mm -hmm. They have no reason to tell crypto AG's other customers about their uh, suspicions because they're other countries. If a criminal gets arrested for something that they communicated about on this phone, they do have an incentive to tell other criminals, "Hey, stop using this phone." Mm-hmm. So you don't have that level of like the, the motivations are just completely different when you're dealing with criminals versus versus nation states. So the second you arrest one person, you kind of have to arrest
1: everybody at the same time. Yeah, that's a that's a big day. That that is what happened. We arrested like a few thousand people. It's a big. Just decide to blow the entire thing up and just arrest everybody. Let's go. Let's talk about that. After the break, you will be arrested.
2: This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify. The global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com/tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com/tech. All you want is to meet your security and compliance requirements, but your business technology keeps changing. Cyber threats emerge every day more regulations apply to you now than ever before and your it resources remain limited the center for internet security can help at cis we work to create a safer world for people businesses and governments through collaboration and innovation using a community-driven consensus process we work with it professionals and volunteers around the world to develop and maintain security best practices these resources save you time money, and effort wherever you are on your cybersecurity journey. We also work with U.S. state, local, tribal, and territorial government organizations to share information with one another so they're stronger together. Join us today in creating confidence in the connected world. Visit cisecurity.org to play your part. All you want is to meet your security and compliance requirements, but your business technology keeps changing. Cyber threats emerge every day. More regulations apply to you now than ever before, and your IT resources remain limited. The Center for Internet Security can help. At CIS, we work to create a safer world for people, businesses, and governments through collaboration and innovation. Using a community-driven consensus process, we work with IT professionals and volunteers around the world to develop and maintain security best practices. These resources save you time, money, and effort wherever you are on your cybersecurity journey. We also work with U.S. state, local, tribal, and territorial government organizations to share information with one another so they're stronger together. Join us today in creating confidence in the connected world. Visit cisecurity.org to play your part.
1: And there were a number of things that resulted from this. Not only have we heard about the number of arrests and the number of seizures, but there were over 100 threats to life that were mitigated. And to give you an idea of the magnitude of of our penetration, uh, we were able to actually see photographs of hundreds of tons of cocaine that were concealed in shipments of fruit. We were able to see hundreds of kilos of cocaine that were concealed in
0: canned goods. There's speculation that the reason Anom ended had to do with a warrant to a server expiring. This suggests maybe that they'd repurposed a server that they had gotten a warrant to at some point. It's unclear to me technically what went on here. But on June 7th, a warrant to a server they were using in this operation was set to end, which lines up pretty perfectly with the grand finale to this whole thing. Around the world, the next day, June 8th, 2021, search warrants were simultaneously executed. Across 16 countries, over 800 people were arrested. You've got alleged members of the Australian-based Italian mafia. You've got outlaw motorcycle gangs. You've got drug syndicates. You've got Albanian organized crime. This this one day, they seize 40 tons of drugs, 8 tons of cocaine, 22 tons of weed, 250 guns, 55 luxury cars, and 58 million bucks in crypto and currency. We get this deluge of court documents that paint a pretty good picture of the scope of this thing, not just in terms of the arrests, but the resources that went into it that you mentioned earlier. Over the three years it was going, more than 9,000 police officers across 18 countries were involved in the operation. Whoa. Europol described it as the biggest ever law enforcement operation against encrypted communication. I won't list off all the different countries where there were arrests, but interestingly, There was one country where no one was arrested for crimes communicated about on the Anom network. No arrests were made in the US because of privacy laws that prevent the law enforcement from collecting messages about domestic subjects. It would have been illegal to uh, collect the messages necessary to arrest people for crimes talked about on Anom phones. But the DOJ did indict 17 people, foreign nationals living in the States, not for crimes they talked about on Anom phones, which they couldn't do, but they were able to arrest them under the Racketeering Act for their participation uh, as distributors of these phones. The people who were doing customer service, setting up subscriptions for new customers, canceling accounts, those middlemen moving Anom phones were arrested by the people who made the phone that those people were working for. What? When the FBI wanted to distribute Anom phones, they wanted it to seem legitimate, so they tricked the middlemen that sold other phones in the past, things like EncroChat phones and Phantom Secure, to move this this hot new crime phone, the Anom phone. And then at the very end, they arrested all of those people. For doing what they asked them to do. Precisely. Isn't that a, isn't that like entrapment? Isn't that, isn't there laws against that? Apparently they managed to find a way to, to wiggle their way through it because uh, several of those people were arrested. Huh. I'm definitely not a criminal lawyer. That's not, if you are 55 episodes deep into the show and that was not immediately <laughs> clear to you,
1: I, Jordan, am not a criminal lawyer. One day, Jordan, one day we'll both be criminal lawyers. Just represents the, the, the the liability of trust hmm. and it's like, I feel, I feel like that liability of trust and, and, you know, now today we're not talking about like cybersecurity from the like, yay, pro cybersecurity and keep the bad guys out. This is definitely <laughs> yeah. a conversation about like, yay, the bad guys, <laughs> So it's like the the second you start trusting something, the the second you become liable for it, you know, it becomes a liability in your life. Obviously we've all seen enough criminal movies to know that you need to clean up loose ends, et cetera, et cetera. And I feel like this is one of those things where it's like, if you choose a messaging platform that you inherently believe to be secure, chances are it's probably not secure. Mm -hmm. It's like the only thing that's like, you can truly verify for security. It's like, you know, if you go back with criminals and, organized crime for years you know at least they have their own cryptography you know you, you mm. create your own ciphers you know whatever that is whether it's specific language or whether it's literally specific ciphers and actually using ciphers to code messages mm. if you can do that you know that is something that you can trust because you've created it but it is again i don't know, as it is again hackable so you know is there, is there really anything you can trust these days, Jordan? Certainly can't trust the crypto market. So. <laughs> There's this idea that comes up
0: sometimes of going dark. It's a term that law enforcement uses. It's military lingo, and it's for when communications drops from a public channel where you can monitor it to a private channel. And it's had a big spike in usage in terms of the debate over how strong Encryption used by normal people should be a mobile app that uses like end-to-end encryption designed to protect your data, but that same tech can be used to prevent law enforcement uh, from being able to get access to those communications, which however you feel about it, sometimes they do legally have a right to do. To put a name to this idea and to frame this debate, they call it going dark. And the argument typically coming from law enforcement is that tech companies shouldn't make products that let people go dark truly, truly dark. NSA has proposed uh, something I hadn't heard of called split key encryption. Mm -hmm. Uh, I didn't know about that. Basically, they have one half of a key. The vendor has the other half. But with all that stuff, folks on the other side of that debate maintain that the complexity of implementing that provides, again, a point of entry that would ultimately endanger the end user's
1: data. I think the, I think the, the conversation around it, you know, I'm, I'm by no means an expert in online messaging platforms, but Mm -hmm. when people use terms like end to end or point to point encryption, I'm assuming they're talking about something like SSL on the web. Mm. So it's like my connection from my device to the server connection is encrypted so that nobody can sniff and see what I'm saying. Right. And then the connection from the server to the other device, say yourself is encrypted so nobody can sniff and see what you're saying but the passage of of information between those two devices is probably done in raw text so like they're probably like i i I highly doubt like maybe signal but like whatsapp and facebook messenger and stuff are not using individually assigned keys where when i type a message in it gets encrypted in your public key sends to you and then decrypted with your private key i can Mm. i don't want to guarantee it but there's a high likelihood that they don't do that Mm. some of the true encryption you know privacy based messaging apps might do that but i don't think 90 percent are and when they use terms like end to end and point to point that leads me to believe that it's not truly encrypted they're just encrypting the tunnel that the messages are going through So the
0: debate here, as I understand it, is assuming not just the tunnel, but the package itself is encrypted and you live in a jurisdiction, we do, probably everyone listening to this does, where if law enforcement has good evidence that you've done a crime, they can go get a warrant to try and get access to your phone or your messages or whatever. Mm -hmm. But because of hypothetically the strength of that encryption being robust enough that they actually just can't get access to the message what does it mean if they come to a tech company say we need access to this message and the tech company says because of the design of this platform we literally cannot give that to you if we want it to privacy-minded folks would say that is the product being used by the user as it was designed and intended Mm -hmm. law enforcement is saying that makes it impossible for uh, you to respond (laughs) to this legal request And that's where the debate about going dark is sort of living right now is should law enforcement and the government have the right to tell the manufacturers of that tech that they can't encrypt it to the degree that makes it impossible for them to respond to these warrants.
1: Yeah, we've we're just going full circle back to the philosophy episode about the right to privacy and like, uh, you know, the email and Twitter scanning stuff where it's right. Yeah. You know, what is the trade off and what is the balance that society strikes between privacy and security? And this is just another one of those elements. Sure. It also introduces a question of how, I guess, to zoom
0: back into the Anom phone itself, outside of whether or not you want to use Signal versus iMessage versus WhatsApp. Devices like the Anom phone, EncroChat, Phantom Secure introduces a question of how effective these devices can really be. Not whether a person can use a device securely, but what happens when you market and buy a device marketed to the hyper-privacy concerned. Because does buying one of those devices, not using an app that lots of folks use, but buying a, a phone with the camera removed and the GPS taken out and the mic ripped out, does buying that phone inadvertently identify you to the kinds of people that would be looking into activities done on that phone to law enforcement. Does being on a shopping list of people who bought
1: this phone shine a spotlight on you? This is gonna sound weird, but I bet fifty plus percent of the people that buy these devices aren't actually criminals. I would agree with that. They're just they're just people that have privacy they have a priority of privacy. For what reasons that's on them. But they have, you know, they're people that really are worried or maybe they're conspiracy theorists or maybe they're whatever. They, so I bet a lot of these devices ends up end up in the hands of regular people. Or what I would say regular people, you know, air quotes. Non criminals. Sure, sure. Yeah. But if I'm a I don't know, like you know, if I'm a true criminal, like especially if I'm a big organized criminal. Mm-hmm. It's not that hard to write your own messaging platform. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I'd be, I'd be, I'd be, I'd be, Mm -hmm. I'd be going so dark that they didn't even know it existed. You know, that's just me. And who am I? Yeah. This whole time I've been kind of
0: glibly calling it a crime phone for doing crimes, just because it's sort of funny to say, (laughs) but the makers of devices like this could rightly say, no, this is a privacy based device. and. Maybe a feature like a pin that lets you wipe the contents of the device seems like something that's only useful to a quote-unquote criminal, but what if where you live being a political like dissident is criminal? Totally. Or being a journalist is kind of criminal. Totally. Those devices should probably be able to exist for those people in my personal <laughs> opinion. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> thanks for listening everybody and a big shout out to our main kind of sources for this episode again uh all of joseph cox's motherboard's fantastic reporting on this story as well as a piece by lily Han newman for wired we weren't able to get a you know an interview to pepper into this one but that stuff was first and foremost just fun and interesting to read fun to learn about and uh super useful for us getting to talk about it for you folks but thank you to our new patrons on patreon since the last episode michael Eller and cyber dick tracy who I owe a response to your message. Best way to support our little show, patreon.com slash hacked podcast. That's patreon.com slash hacked podcast. The only Patreon promoted in the final 20 seconds of each episode. Thanks again for listening. Catch you in the next one.